Can we give the Lord a clap offering this morning? Come on. Wow. Hallelujah, Lord. I want you to do something real quick. Is this song is a powerful song. And we actually get to take this moment before we even start today to come into the house of God and to say, you know what, I've had some stuff. And if you have some stuff, I just want you to lift your hand up right now. We all have some stuff, don't we? Right? We're going to give that stuff to Him. Because the victory is in His hands. That is the God we serve. This morning as you have come into the house of God, the God we serve is the God of victory who can take those circumstances right now He can bring healing. He can bring deliverance. He can bring provision. He can do whatever needs to be done. That's the God we serve. And so, Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we lift these things up to you. And we give them to you, Jesus, because they're not too big for you. And, Father, we know you are the God of victory. You are the God of victory. We declare that in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen? Amen. He is the God of victory. Well, good morning and welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. Happy Thanksgiving. Anybody thankful today? I am thankful that I get to stand here right now and worship my God. What a privilege we have this morning. I want to read a scripture to you. You guys are all familiar with this one. Psalms 100. It starts out this way. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. I'll read that again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Do we believe this this morning? So this morning as we come into the house of God, we choose to be thankful. Because he is good, he is amazing, he is awesome, and right now, regardless of your state, he can bring healing, deliverance, and life. That's the God we serve. So can we worship him this morning? I think we can. So let's do that. Let's worship him. I'm just reminded as we're singing these songs, declaring our love for Jesus, that again, that took place for me in 1989 right here on the floor. And I remember inviting Jesus into my life. And on that day, it changed everything. On that day, I was able to lay all that stuff down that I didn't know what to do with. I was able to lay it on the floor and walk out with a freedom I didn't know existed. So this morning, I just want to pray for you. Because that same freedom that I received that day is available for every single one of us in that room, in this room. Father, I pray for each heart that's in this room. 
Father, we all have those areas where we're a little bound up. We have those areas where we're maybe not so proud of them. But your death on the cross meant it all. You did something so amazing, so great, so that we could come before you and receive forgiveness of all that stuff. And today we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you don't leave us alone in the midst of this stuff. Thank you that you care so deeply for each and every one in this room. We give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ. We are. All right. Do we love Pastor Paul? Yes, we do. Let's welcome Pastor Paul Eklund. All right. Is this on? I feel like Pastor Mark. Um, I'm the last person that should be preaching today. (laughs) Awesome. The best thing about uh, being up here so much is that when you massively fail, it's in front of tons of people, so you learn really quickly. And I'm grateful for fathers that let me take the mic. So what some of you might not know about me is, um, is so I work part-time for the church. My name is Paul. I'm the youth pastor, if we haven't had a chance to meet. And uh, I, I work part-time for the church, but I also work full-time, almost full-time, uh, as a journeyman insulator in construction. And, and, and you know how, like, when you've been doing a job for so long that your, your brain just kind of starts to wander? Come hang out with me one day, and I'll show you. Uh, we, we've all experienced this, right? We're, we're driving somewhere. We're driving home from work, and then you like look up, and you're at home, yeah. right? That just happens to all of us. Uh, and so lately, because I've, I've, I'm so good at my job, <laughs> um, I, I've actually been noticing this quite a bit, where I'm just like kind of, I'm working and doing my, my, my stuff, and and then I'll, like, have an idea about youth, right? Or I'll be like, oh, i got to talk to this person. Or, um, oh, you know what? Um, uh, <clears throat> random thoughts. And so I thought I would kind of share some of my random thoughts with you this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Just so you can get a snapshot of who I really am. Uh, here's, here's the first one. It's impossible to be a perfect parent. True. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You are required to fulfill so many different roles that no human on earth could ever really possibly manage, right? You could be the most amazing parent, but that one time on that hour-long road trip to grandma's house, you forgot their perfect sippy cup that they always want to take with them, and now you've potentially scarred your child for life. (laughs) So if we know that's the case, then I propose that instead of having registered education savings plans, the government should implement registered counseling saving plans instead. (laughs) It would have been really nice if at the age of 18 my mom had sat me down and been like, Paul, I've done the absolute best that I possibly could for you, but I'm not the perfect parent, your father was not the perfect parent, and your siblings were terrible. So we put five grand in a tax-free account for you to start dealing with some of your baggage. Just 
Think about it, parents. Here's, here's another one. If, if 16 to 22-year-olds already know everything there possibly is to know about life. <laughs> if you're in that age group, maybe listen. I'm going to drop some wisdom. I think every decade on January 1st, we should turn control on everything in the whole entire world over to that age demographic. One of two things will happen. January 2nd, we'll have world peace. Or the second one, which I think is more likely, is on January 2nd, they'll quit complaining, turn everything back over to the adults because they don't know how to turn on the Wi-Fi. (laughs) Do you want one more? One more? Okay. (laughs) You have to laugh at this. I might get fired. Um, So Pastor Chris and Jen and Pastor Ken and I do a lot of premarital counseling, right? When there's a couple in our in our church that gets engaged, they do the counseling, and uh, and I really feel like that's really a boring name, and I think we should change it, and I think we should restructure how we run premarital counseling here. We already know that sex, money, and family are some of the leading causes of divorce in our country, and so if we know that, I think we should rename the class The Cold Heart Amazing Facts About Marriage and the Opposite Sex That No One Ever Told You Until Now (laughs) 2.0. And here is how we'll work it, okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll take the couple into the office, we'll sit them down, get them nice and comfy, give them their favorite, you know, coffee, drink, whatever that is, latte, whatever. And, and then, two minutes in after they're settled, someone will walk in and hand them four screaming babies and then walk out. <laughs> two minutes after that, we'll release the mother-in-laws into the room to begin to tell them everything they're doing wrong. <laughs> And we'll lock the door. (laughs) An hour and a half later, if the relationship has survived, congratulations, you can get married. (laughs) Christmas will not be awkward for the next 18 years. If the relationship does not survive the hour and a half, that's okay. There's 7 billion people on the planet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Uh, that we get to be a family and we get to joke around and we get to just hang out and build relationships. And God, I just pray, um, I just pray that, that you would show up and you would speak tonight, or today. God, that, uh, that, that in all of us where we're at and who we are, God, that you would speak and you would minister to every single person in this room, uh, wherever we're at, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Henry, could I have a bottle of water, please? Thanks. I drank it. <laughs> okay, so uh, before I get going, um, I'm just going to be honest and real and super vulnerable. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time with God this week, and I'm feeling super raw and vulnerable today. So if I just start weeping in the middle of this, just deal with it. It doesn't happen very often. Um, uh, but there's, but there's one, one thing I need to... I feel like I need to uh, just kind of talk about, and um, last week, oh, before I, before I get to that, so I kind of had prepared for like, hey, God, I'm going to talk about this, and then I woke up this morning, and, uh, and God's like, yeah, yeah, no. So I'm, I'm as interested in you as you all are of what we're going to talk about today, um, but I'll uh, have a verse, and I'll kind of throw out some thoughts, and, uh, and hopefully 
it will all make sense and the Holy Spirit will speak to you because I can't. <laughs> um, but last week, uh, I, I feel like I need to publicly repent to all of you. Um, last week in the announcement video, uh, at the end in the bloopers, uh, Clayton and I were filming and I, I kind of started singing just as a joke because we were kind of killing time. And, uh, and I got up here after the, 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 the announcement video and, and I made a joke about how I shouldn't join the worship team as a singer. Um, and, and in the moment, it was funny. But later on in the week, God started reminding me of that moment. And you know how, like, when God reminds you of something, how typically there's a lesson coming? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's just the reality of life. And, uh, and so God... Oh, thank you. Don't knock it over. With my last couple of months, there's a high probability of that happening. Um, and so, so this week, as I was kind of praying and God reminded me of this moment, uh, he said this to me. He said, why would you stifle what I've created? And, uh, and so I feel like I need to publicly repent for modeling that um, to everybody here. Uh, and, and as I kind of, me and God, because, because I have no right to condemn what God's created in myself or in anyone, right? As a disciple of Jesus who's called to love everybody, I have no right to look at anybody in this room and say, there's something wrong with you. Or your life does not match my beliefs and my perceptions, so there's something wrong with you, right? Because God's created all of us different, and he all has different plans for us. And so I have no right to stifle what God's placed in me or what God's stifled or God's placed in anyone else. And as I began to repent and kind of have this conversation with God, um, I felt like he started to give me a word uh, for some people in here. And so, I don't know who this applies to. It might not apply to anybody. That's fine. I'm going to read it anyways. Um, so as I was kind of praying with God, I, uh, I felt like this is for someone in here. And so, for a very long time, your voice has been stifled. Whether through insecurity, a bad past experience, or through not knowing what to say, you have remained silent and not let your sound and your wisdom come out. I believe there's some of you in here are moving into a season where sons and daughters of God will begin to move from a place of insecurity into a place of humility. And as that transition happens, new voices and new sounds will be released in your homes, across the city, across Parkland County, across this country, and throughout the earth. So sons and daughters of God, if you have a cry on your heart, if you have a mission God has placed inside of you, take a step. Just one step will get you going in the right direction. So whatever God has been telling you to do, go out and do something. And so if that was for you, um, go back, watch it on Facebook. Uh, if you want, I can print it out and give it to you or send you a copy of that. Uh, and... and <laughs> uh, as a practical step of faith, die. If you have any space in your next coming season of voice lessons, I'm committing in front of all these places, people to take voice lessons with you for the next semester. Ah, God's fun. I love him. 
Okay. I, I woke up this morning and yeah, like God was like, yeah, don't talk about that. So I'm really not sure where to go, but I got this. I don't have it. He has it, but um, but before I kind of go on, there's, there's quite a few visitors here, and I, and I, I just want to mention that if you're visiting our church or, or you're kind of newer, um, around here, how we function is we function more like a family. And so a lot of the language we use here is very family-orientated, right? We, we call this church a house. We call it a home. Uh, a lot of the time, we refer to Pastor Mark and Wendy as, as the father and the mother of this church family, and and. And we use fam- family terms frequently. And today, I'm going to be talking about fathers. <laughs> and I think a lot of the times we kind of get stuck in, oh, my, my dad, like my physical dad. And, and this morning as I'm talking about fathers, um, and as I'm, I'm going to share a part of my story, but as I'm talking about fathers, I consider a lot of the men in this room to be fathers, right? I look at Pastor Ken. Cam and Chris and, and Jim and all these guys, and a lot of these guys, because they are speaking into my life, I consider in those moments they're fathering me. Um, and so, so don't get caught up on the language that I'm, that I'm using. Um, we, it's just, whether it's father or mentor, or however you want to use the language, um, it's, it's all kind of the same Thing. And so I have some statistics here, and I'm going to just jump in. So 72 per, 72% of teenage murderers, 60% of rapists, 70% of kids incarcerated, twice as likely to quit school, 11 times more likely to be violent, three of 14 suicides, 80% of the adolescents in psychiatric hospitals, and 90% of run, runaways all come from fatherless homes. Fathers are incredibly important to our lives. And so mothers, as I kind of talk about this, don't, don't tune out because you are important. But I believe that fathers add something to our lives that mothers do not. Right? Um, there's this massive battle right now over gender. And, it, and there's all these voices in culture telling this next generation that uh, there's, there's something wrong with fathers. And if someone's trying to come in and correct you, then they're wrong. But the reality is that fathers, I believe, bring security. Fathers are called to bring um, um, correction, which we just all love, right? And more importantly, fathers are called to bring a sense of identity and to give purpose and direction to children, to teenagers, and to adults. And so fathers are so important. And you, you may not know this about me, but I'm a son of this house. I consider myself a son of this house. And, and a lot of who I am, a big part of who I am, was shaped in this, in this building and through the people and the family that have gone through this building. And, uh, and, and I have so many memories. Like when I was little, we used to have Sunday evening services here, which when you're a little kid, you're kind of indifferent about, right? And, uh, and so when I was little, the Sunday services would go past my bedtime. And, uh, but my mom didn't care because every time the church door was open, my dad made sure that we were here. And so my mom, there was, there was these beautiful red pews over here. And throughout the, if, if you haven't seen pictures, they're amazing. 
And, um, and so my mom would just take all our, our Alberta winter coats and make a nest under the pew here, and I would just go to sleep, right? And Bruce and Gail were sitting above me while I was napping because they have been pillars of this church for so, so long. And so I have so many memories of this. I remember um, my, first, my, my first memory in church was in Sunday school. And, and at the time, Pastor Ken and Lena Solbrecken were the senior pastors here. And Lena was my Sunday school teacher. This is the first memory I have of, of, of church. And, uh, and I remember, when you talk to five-year-old boys... And you're using analogies. You have to be really careful of your language because they're very, very literal. And so I was this five-year-old boy, and I still vividly remember this. And this five-year-old boy, and she used the, I don't even know what she was talking about, but she used the analogy of, of if her daughter fell over and split her head open, what would you do? <laughs> As a five-year-old boy... When something breaks, you just grab it and you squeeze it back together. <laughs> and then it's okay. Right? And I still remember the look of shock and horror on Lena's face after I looked her straight in the face and told her I would just squish her head back together. <laughs> right? When you are talking to little boys, you have to be very, very careful. I remember uh, uh, Ben and I would tramp up the stairs to go to kids' church when we were in, uh, in elementary. And Jim and Gaylene were up there. Uh, running kids' church, right? And, uh, and, and by the end of the service, there was always five balloons on the girls' side of the room. <laughs> and on the boys' side, if we were lucky, there was one. <laughs> and if you were bad in, ki- in, son- in kids' church, they would walk over and pop a balloon. And I would get so mad because the boys would not listen, and I really wanted the prize at the end of the service. And so I would just passively, aggressively glare at them as Gaylene was walking over to pop one of our balloons, right? I remember, I remember, remember being an insecure uh, grade sevener who had no self-esteem whatsoever. And I remember uh, Rick and Della getting in their green Ford station wagon with my youth pastors, Chris and Jen Bannis, and the music intern at the time, Miranda Brown, and another guy, and doing a road trip to BC to go skiing. And I remember Jen turning around at one point in the car and saying, Paul, you talk? You are hilarious, right? Because I just didn't talk ever. And, and I have all these memories in this building and that have shaped me and caused me to be, be who I was. And, and the, the, one of the most impactful memories that I have was the Sunday after my father passed away. We were at the hospital Saturday. Saturday evening, we were at, um, we went home and we were just talking. And I remember my mom saying, we are going to church the next day. And we walked in and we were here the Sunday morning after my father passed away. And that season of life, when that happened, began a season of hurt, began a season of confusion and a lost identity because as a 16-year-old guy, I was trying to figure out who I was. And I didn't know what to do. And for me, I was so fortunate because at 21, I had an encounter with God and he started to heal some of that time. He started to restore a lot of what I'd been lost. And looking back in that season of hurt and pain, what I was really looking for was a father. 
I was looking for someone to look at me and say, hey, you know what? I see you. Hey, I love you. Hey, you're valuable. And so the story of fatherlessness and the importance of fathers is so, so important. And unfortunately, as we look around culture, the story of fatherlessness is becoming more and more prevalent. Fathers are supposed to install security, correction, and identity, and we're seeing a generation that is lost and has no identity. And I believe that everyone in here can relate. Whether you have a good relationship with your father, if you don't, if we're truly honest with ourselves deep down inside of us, we all have that need. We all have that desire, and we're all asking the big questions of our heavenly father and our earthly fathers and the spiritual fathers in our lives, and those questions are, do you approve of me? Am I loved And am I enough? And we're seeing the result of fatherlessness in our culture right now, right? Um, The rise of abortion, as an example. The gender gender conversation, if you want to call it that, is I think that abortion is a result of fatherlessness. It is a result of fathers not stepping in and saying, hey, you know what, this is wrong. And, and I'm willing to bet if men who impregnated women would actually step up and take responsibility for what their choice is, I believe the abortion would drop, right? I think it would still be there. I think that there's still scared, confused women that don't know what to do and have no other options because they don't have a safe place and a safe community. But I think if the men in their lives stepped up and said, hey, we're keeping this baby, I think we would see a massive drop in the abortion rates in North America. And it's because it all relates back to fatherlessness, right? A hundred years ago, fathers would, um, there was forced accountability. Fathers would force accountability on their sons and teach them what it meant to be a man and to be a father, right? If if a girl got pregnant a hundred years ago, the next day on the man's doorstep would be the girl, a preacher, her dad, and a shotgun, <laughs> right? There was this, like, like people have been sinning for, forever, right? It's not, oh, what? A girl got pregnant, right? It's, it just, it's sin happens, and, and we're losing that as we lose fathers. We're losing that as we have fathers that are not passing on to their sons what it means to be a man, what it means to be a, a, a father in their own lives, and and I think as Christians, I think as Christians, we need to ask ourselves, how do we bring light into a broken, dark world? I think it's a question we, we all need to because I think we have more influence than we actually realize we do in the lives around us. Um, and so I had a story in the Old Testament I was going to read, but then God said, yeah, no. So... Uh, I have one verse, Ephesians 6. Uh, you want to put up a sheet? Ephesians 6, 4. And so this is my encouragement to all the men and all the mothers in this room, is we need you. Um, and so Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And so I'm going to read that again. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Fathers, do something. Do anything, right? It's, it's, 
every time I see a teenager who's struggling, my heart for them is to say, I'm going to call out your identity, right? And it's not this big, massive, like, I just changed their life, but now I can say, hey, you know what, Jess, you're a daughter of God, right? And God can start to minister to who she actually is, and it's not on me, but I have taken the initiative to step out and do and say something, even if it's something small that feels insignificant, it matters, it doesn't mean that, that I run up to Jess and like ram the Bible down her throat. <laughs> That's not going to do anything. We listen, we call out things that we see in them. Did you know that there's uh, gay straight alliance groups that meet in Spruce Grove who desperately need male role models to join them and to come with a heart of, hey, you know what, I'm just going to be here for you and I'm just going to love you and wherever you're at, I'm just going to walk with you. Could you imagine how that would change Spruce Grove if the people and the Christians in town just showed up? There's, there's, there's big brother programs that are desperately in need of men. Just being honest and real. Um, to devote, you know, maybe an hour a month. I think it, it makes so much difference. The second part um, in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, it says, Honor your father. Oh, no, it doesn't. Can you put that up? Children, obey your parents. I totally didn't write the verse down in my computer, which is bad news. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. I, I grew up in a Christian home and, and it kind of feels like every time someone in my family did something wrong, this was the verse at <laughs> breakfast devotions the next day. <laughs> right? Parents love this verse. <laughs> I know what Ben's devotions will be tomorrow. Arrow, yeah. and 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 in that context, in the context of our physical mother and father, like this is important. We we need to learn how to revere and how to respect our parents. Right? We should value our physical parents. But the dichotomy of this is, I think, once we become adults or we have kids of our own, we kind of like using this to ram it down their throat, and we forget that as adults, we actually need to learn to honor our parents. This is such an important key in our life. If we can't honor our parents as adults, then how can we expect the next generation to honor us? Um, I've, uh, I lost my dad when I was 16, and I, I do, I've done tons of, of healing and counseling and, and come so far uh, since that moment. And, and there's, there's been some stuff this past year where I'm like, like, God, what's going on? And a lot of like inner turmoil and like things like, hey, God, what is going on in my heart? What's going on? You know, like all these things are happening inside of me. And, uh, and this past summer, I took a vacation, my first vacation in two years. It was awesome. I went to my mom's. It's great. Um, and, and I started to have this really cool dialogue with God. 
And, uh, and, and when it came to fathers in my life, I can honor them and respect them. Um, but as I had these conversations with God, God was kind of like, you know what, you've actually never learned to fully wholeheartedly submit and honor the fathers and mothers in your life because as a 16-year-old and younger, you actually never had to learn to do that with a physical father because you were unable to. Does this make sense? Okay. And so, and so God actually start, started to show me how there's been a part of my heart that I've been holding back because, because having to submit and honor Chris, having to submit and honor uh, Ken, Pastor Ken, it's, it's hard, right? Because it requires me being vulnerable. It requires me stepping out and being like, do you love me? Which is a really dangerous question because they could say no. And then I'd be devastated and I'd go cry. And then I'd probably get over it and then go back to work, right? But, but God started to reveal this to me and, and started to take me on this path of like learning, you know what, there's actually safety in this. Because I think about uh, uh, with Mike. So if you don't know Mike, that's Mike. He's one of our youth leaders. Um, he's pretty awesome. And so I've actually uh, invited him four years ago to come help with youth. And, and so we've actually developed a really cool friendship, um, a really cool brotherness. <laughs> um, but there's also aspects of our relationship where I mentor or father Mike, right? Um, or there's aspects where if I'm being a butt, he'll tell me. And in those moments, he's fathering me, right? If I can submit to that correction, essentially, he's fathering me in those moments. And so there's been times um, in my life where, where Mike, I'll, he'll do something stupid. <laughs> we all do it. I'm just being honest. Come on. Everyone in here does stupid things. Um, and so my heart for Mike in those moments is not one of shame. It's not one of, I'm going to put you on a pedestal and tell everyone about your sins. My heart in those moments is, Mike, here's the truth. And my father heart for you is to step into correction and forgiveness and then grow from that. But the dichotomy in our lives is it's, it's really easy to do that, right? It's really easy to say, Mike, you're being stupid. But then when it comes to me going to Pastor Chris and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm messed up. It's really vulnerable and it's really hard. Um, and God's been taking me on this. That's why I'm so raw today is, is like all this stuff is kind of starting to make sense. And it's like, and God's been taking me on this journey of if your heart is for Mike, then Chris's heart is for you. Then Pastor Ken's heart is for you. Then Jen's heart is for me. And if we can learn to how to walk in that well of, hey, you know what? It's scary and vulnerable, but I'm willing to submit and to honor, and maybe it's a journey and a process, and as I go, I'm kind of learning how to do it well, and it's going to take years to perfect, and years, probably till I'm dead. But, but seeing even the fruit of this last few months of me being able to go to Ken and say, hey, you know what? This is going on. And him being able to say, hey, you know what? When we were worshiping, you stepped into something. And every one of us has that inside of us, right? When when, when Ken's like, Paul, when, we were, when you were drumming, I noticed that uh, you kind of stepped into something and, you know, your, your chest goes out a bit, right? You get the swagger a little bit, right? Because your dad's like, I'm, I'm proud of you, right? And we all have that desire 
and that thing inside of us. And so what this season looks like, I don't really know. For me, I don't know. But I do know this. You know, how many of you would get on an airplane that didn't have a radio on it? Do you know why radio or why airplanes have radios? Because the airplane ahead of the airplane taking off knows what the turbulence is. He knows what is happening in the weather. He knows what other airplanes are around. And so he can actually radio back to the airplane on the ground and say, hey, this is happening, this is happening. Watch out for this. Hey, there's a flock of birds, so maybe go up an extra thousand feet, right? And, and, and I think so often we're afraid to radio ahead. But I think if as Christians and as humans, if we can actually look inside of ourselves and say, hey, you know what? I need the airplane in front of me to help me navigate the turbulence. I think when we can have that humble heart and just say, you know what, okay, God, you're my heavenly father, I'm following you, but I also need, I need a physical father my whole entire life. When I'm 80 and 90, I need to learn how to continually honor because honor is a lifelong process and learning how to do it well is a lifelong process. And I think if we as Christians and as humans can step into that and accept that, I think that, you know what, we'll change the community because they'll know how... I'm having a blank. They'll know by the way we love ourselves. They'll know we're Christians by the way we love ourselves. The paraphrase, the verse. Um, And so my challenge to you is is maybe the father topic is hard for you. Maybe you're like me where there's things you know you don't know. Um, And actually, can I get the worship team to come back up? And so I just feel like um, the worship team's going to sing a song... I don't know which one, but the Holy Spirit knows. And, and I feel like we just need to sit with this for a couple minutes. And if, and if father, being fathered or fathering is difficult for you, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to minister to all of us right now, to minister to where we're at at this moment, because I can say some stuff, but you know what? The best person to minister to our hearts is the Holy Spirit. So we'll um, take two minutes. You don't have to stand. You don't have to just sit there. And, uh, and, and this, the worship team will play. And then Pastor Chris is going to come up and close it off. John 1.12 But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the authority and the power to be sons of God. the authority and the power to be sons of God. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in this moment that for each and every one who's been at distance from fathers and mothers, who's been at distance in relationship with with one another and with you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you sweep into our lives right now and that you draw us in. I pray that you open the doors of of hard hearts, cold hearts, hearts that are terrified of being in close, hearts that are afraid of being exposed. In Jesus' name, we declare a release of the authority and the power to be sons of God.
And we commit in this house that we are family. We draw together. We walk together. We love one another. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, wherever we're at a distance, wherever we've pulled back, wherever we're afraid to come near, heal our hearts, God. We look to you, Lord. Well, didn't Paul do a great job? We love Paul, don't we? Father, we thank you so much that you're a good God. God, I just thank you uh, for your heart for each and every one of us in this room. That you love all of us. This is a family. Through the good parts, through the bad parts, through all that stuff, this is a family. And Father, we just stand before you and say we thank you that in the midst of everything, you have everything under control. And that you are a God that is just so full of love. And today I know in people's lives there might be things that are going on that seem a little out of control, situations, circumstances, but I think you have declared many times throughout the word today that you've got us, that you're going to take care of us, that you're a good God. And Father, today I do pray a special blessing on all the fathers in this room. We pray against the lies that culture and society is trying to paint about fathers We say this, fathers are needed, fathers are of God, fathers have a place, and we bless each father that is standing in this room, and our prayer for you is that God would help guide you to be the father that you are, that he would give you the words to say in the times that you have to say them, that he would help remove the guilt in times when you make mistakes, but that the love of God would just fall upon you this day. So I just pray the blessing of the Lord upon each one of you as you go now. In the name of Jesus Christ, again, if you need prayer, come on up to the front. We want to pray for you. Bless you this week.